The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gowler? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 41. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to get to here on episode number 41. It is a free agent fest. The NFL hot stove is insane. As somebody who covered the baseball hot stove in depth over the last four months, the two things could not be any different. (laughs) The Major League Baseball hot stove and the NFL hot stove are completely different. And the NFL hot stove is one crazy crazy 48 72 hour period where where you get the tampering and all that stuff and joining me to break down everything the eagles have done the eagles are going to do and we'll take a few minutes to laugh at one of the eagles division rivals as well is the man behind bleedinggreennation.com may he forever reign brandon lee gowton you can follow him on twitter at brandon gowton blg have you gotten any sleep lately well, what is that? What, wait, what, yeah. what is that? <laughs> that thing time again? of day when you rest and get restorative energy oh. for the next day. Yeah. Um, no, no, that definitely doesn't oh, okay. happen for figured. me ever, let alone this time of year. But hey, man, it's been fun. Uh, it's it's a good trade off. Not really good for my health, but good in, in terms of entertaining and a fun time of year. And uh, yes, we have all the coverage, obviously, at BleedingGreenNation.com, as well as Kiss and Solak doing a great job with the with their shows. And then you too, John, doing a great job with the BGN Memories show because a certain well, player you. returned to Philadelphia. So we have a lot to talk about here. Let's jump right in. Absolutely. And I do think it's interesting that, you know, as, as I was watching TweetDeck on Monday when the free agent tampering period began and it just became news by fire hose. It just everybody was getting deluged with one signing after another and a trade here and a signing there and rumors just going everywhere. People were complaining about all the Le'Veon Bell rumors and false starts. If you weren't paying attention to the Bryce Harper, Manny Machado stuff, you don't even know. I mean, the Le'Veon Bell stuff was 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 child's play. That got that got resolved in a week. That was super duper quick. And so um a lot of different players changed hands. It moved to different teams, signed with different signed with different teams. And um kind of funny, BLG, I, I wonder if there are people out there who on Monday weren't glued to their tweet deck all day. Like there were people who just went to work 
and they got done late in the afternoon or early evening, and they drove home, and maybe they had dinner with their family, and then afterwards, maybe... Maybe mom or dad or, or one of the kids home after school decided they, wanna, they wanted to see what happened in the world of football that day because they know it's a busy day. And so they get on their old computer and, and, and check everything out. Doesn't that sound nice? I, that's not my existence, but that, I think that sounds nice. I mean, those people sound like complete losers to me. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> want to be up, you know, 14 hours straight just blogging all day long? I mean, to me, that is a real winner, obviously being myself and uh, obviously the rest of the crew at Bleeding Green Nation helping me out, doing a great job. Alexis, Ben, um, Michael Kist, all the all the people, Tyler, um, Lee, everyone, everyone who is on our team has certainly made this a good experience. And yeah, it's just fun, man. It's, it's just a fun time of year. You know, so many podcasts leading up to this point, you know, we've just kind of just been talking about like what could happen. I feel like I was ending every episode with Bryce Harper, please sign soon. You know, we we're just, we we're worried about <laughs> like that kind of stuff. And now NFL free agency starts the Eagles, on, on the day of legal tampering, you know, when really in the past last year, I think it was active, but years before that, it wasn't even as active this year it was very active. The Eagles already did really the bulk of their stuff on that day. So again, just so many things yeah, to get into here. Let's jump into it then. Let's go. And um, we'll start with the most recent. And uh, that was the Eagles signing linebacker LJ Fort to a three-year $10 million deal BLG. Really, last year was the best season of his career. 48 tackles, three for loss, one sack in 15 games, two starts. Played 29% of the snaps on defense. So not a guy who played uh, every down or uh, even a third of the downs uh, based on snap count. But PFF graded him 19th out of 96 linebackers in 2018. And I know our own Michael Kist had been pounding the table for LJ Fort. So talk a little bit about the addition of this linebacker. I mean, I think this was a position the Eagles at least had to get a little bit more depth in. Well, yeah, the pun is terrible, but I really have to say that. I think this kind of player holds down the fort for the Eagles. I knew it was coming. I, I knew like, it was coming. I didn't, look, I, I didn't want to do it. I mean, obviously, I, I know. I didn't want to, but I had to. And I legitimately think it's true, too. I don't think this is like, you're not signing LJ Fort because he's a superstar and you're adding him to your defense. You know, he's a 29-year-old journeyman, essentially, the way, although he's kind of, I think there's some untapped potential, potentially, to be had with him. He's only started three games in his career, but he's been a, a sub-package player. He had his best year last year in 2018 with the Steelers and by all accounts from Steelers fans who have watched him and obviously Michael Kist as well uh, they feel like you know he is due for a bigger role and he might be able to take that on so we'll see he'll be competing with Nathan Gary and Paul Warlow and Kamu Gruje Hill and if the Eagles bring in a linebacker in the draft maybe on day three they'll com- be competing with them too so that's good and that's fine like you didn't need to re-sign Jordan Hicks at the number he got from the Arizona Cardinals. I I love Jordan Hicks. I feel like I was one of his biggest fans in Philly. Injuries even still, you know, I really liked him, but like that was just too much to overcome. You couldn't keep him. I just think it wasn't realistic, especially for the price he got by Arizona. I'm happy for him. I'm happy he got paid. I hope he does well out there. That'd be great. I'd love to see it. But for the Eagles, I think it was just time to move on. You know, they obviously get the potentially a fourth round comp pick for him too. So that's good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so you're bringing in LJ Fort. They're bringing in a stopgap kind of player. Uh, who, by the way, um, friend of the podcast and former BGN writer, NJ.com writer now, Mike K, said that he heard that uh, LJ Fort is going to be in the mix there or 
could be the favorite potentially for that starting middle linebacker job. So I thought that was a little bit of an really? interesting thing to note. Yeah. So, you know, kind of file that one away. We'll see. You know, this time last year, we also heard that Corey Nelson was in the mix for a starting job and he didn't even make the team. So uh, Fort <laughs> yeah. got paid more than Corey Nelson did. So he's going to be making the team. But it's just, you know, you don't know. You don't know this time early. But I, I like the addition. They needed to do something there when you lost Jordan Hicks, obviously, because you just, you know, you didn't really have a whole lot of options there outside of um, just Nigel Bradham starting at linebacker. So I like that one. It's not, it's not a one, you know, fans are that fans are going to get excited about. Cause let's be real. Like who knows that guy? Um, I only yeah. knew it's not yeah. CJ Mosley or anything no, like that. Yeah, it's yeah. not a big move, but it's fine. It's a fine move. And he's also a great special teams player. And that's yes. something that fans and I think we overlook a lot of times is special teams because we really, the NFL has gone out of their way to devalue kickoffs. Just about every kickoff is a touchback and punt returns are still, getting a good punt returner is, is still important and having good punt coverage is important, but it's not as important as it used to be. I don't remember many plays at all this year, whether it was Eagles games or just around the NFL where big punt returns swung games. It was just not that kind of year in the NFL. Nevertheless, though, special teams is still important and he's a guy that can obviously contribute in that way a big contributor in Pittsburgh the last couple of years again on special teams and uh, at the linebacker spot so I was going to say you you mentioned that he could be in the mix for the middle linebacker spot we know that the Eagles defense most of the time plays in nickel anyway so you're basically going to have two linebackers on the field probably most of the time uh, and so you've got Nigel Bradham there you've got Kamu Grugier Hill and you've got got now LJ Fort is that enough for you right now that's enough for me um if i had to grade the signing just to give it a grade because you know we like arbitrary things like give grades to all this stuff yeah yeah I'll, I'll give it like a b a solid b i think it's a b move um you know again not something super exciting but it's solid you filled a need i think you know with what they have there it's not a ton you're not necessarily feeling great about it but you kind of said it there like linebackers really aren't what this team builds around like that's not the that's not the mo the main priority is building through the defensive line. And then they've obviously invested at the safety position too with Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. So like those are the areas more so where they've been. And then obviously they've had a third safety the past couple of years too with Corey Graham. So those are more of the areas that they want. And Jim Schwartz specifically, I remember him talking in press conferences before about how he just feels like the NFL is trending towards more coverage, you know, it being a mm-hmm. passing league. And he wants guys out there who can cover more. And, you know, typically those guys are more defensive back styled and you even see that in a couple of the Eagles linebackers with Nathan Gary and Kamu Grucha Hill both being former safeties playing linebacker so that's just kind of what they want there and yeah they really the Eagles really only as you said use two linebackers for most of the time anyway it's not really a base defense where you're playing all three out there so you have your two now LJ Fort and Nigel Bradham and then you know Kamu will mix in there we'll see if Gary can step up at all and this year, I imagine you're going to draft a guy on day three. Maybe he comes in and competes. So to me, that's fine enough. You can get by with that. All right. The big move that everybody was talking about, and it was the focus of the BGN Memories uh, podcast that I did episode four, was the Eagles trading for Deshaun Jackson from the Buccaneers. And it would have been a rumor for uh, number 10. And Matt Collins was willing to give up his number 10 uh, for Deshaun Jackson, which is just, I think, all Eagles fans... Uh, I think, uh, no, it was Matt Collins did something on Twitter, I think, where he stood in front of the Geico Gecko uh, in yes. Philadelphia saying, I've saved you guys, you know, you could save $15 or more on your jersey 
sales or purchases or whatever because you know Philadelphia fans are gonna have to go out and buy new jerseys. You can take those number tens if you had if you didn't burn them when Deshaun left, and really why would you have? But some fans do that kind of thing. But if you didn't throw them away or burn them, pull them back out. Pull them back out of the closet. They're just as good now as the day you bought them. Uh, Jackson coming back to Philadelphia. It had been rumored for a couple of weeks. Just seemed like this marriage was too perfect not to happen. I uh, spoke to the media on Thursday about being a leader in the locker room now that he's 32. And, you know, I just, I love bringing him back here, BLG, because I do think he's probably more mature. I think he's going to be in a locker room with a head coach that has the emotional intelligence, like Andy Reid did, I think, to, to handle Deshaun Jackson and anything that might pop up. And I think he realizes he's at a different stage in his career now, BLG. He knows he's not the number one wide receiver, but I think he knows what his role on this team is going to be, and I think he knows he's got a quarterback that can do do the things that are necessary to elevate his game and take advantage of all the skills he brings to the table. I love the move, BLG. Yeah, if I have to grade this one, I'm giving it an A, right? I mean, they yeah. barely gave up anything to get him. You you trade this year's sixth um, for Deshaun and the Buccaneers' seventh next year. So you're really only you know swapping those picks around and then a year out. So you're they barely gave up anything to get him. And they're getting a guy who fills your biggest need. And has it's been a big need for a while. Like what would we always talk about last season as one of the biggest issues with the team? It was – lack of team speed and that manifested itself in a lack of big plays like they couldn't yep. generate big plays it was so like everything they did in offense was so painful to watch in the sense of like it was it had to be so methodical like they it never came easy or at least too often did not come easy to them and when you get to Sean Jackson that's exactly what happens it does come easy all of a sudden you're making big plays even him even if he's not making big plays directly the threat of him can at least in theory open stuff stuff underneath for the other guys for Zach Ertz for Dallas Goddard for Alshon Jeffrey for Nelson Aguilar like having him you know impacts the offense more than just his individual stats you know that he can produce by himself you know that's the exciting part to it I think there's a lot to unpack with Deshaun coming back it's kind of just crazy right like I never expected him to be an eagle again, and no, that would have been kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've obviously heard rumors of it being possible. You know, I thought it was possible because it has been rumored for a while now, but you just – I almost wasn't going to believe it until I saw it. And I, I guess I go back to 2014 when he was released, and obviously a lot of people are going to put that on Chip, and Chip does deserve a lot of blame for that. But at the same time, I don't think he was the only one signing off on that, as we've talked about before. I think the Eagles had not made up reasons to get rid of him. I, from what, you know, from people I knew at the time back then and who knew legitimate info, because they also knew other things that happened that offseason, such as when the Eagles signed Tim Tebow and they signed Miles Austin. Like, I remember hearing from people months out before those moves even happened the same info I was hearing about Deshaun and some things that were going on behind the scenes that weren't so flattering. And I think people have to realize that there are guys in the NFL who are specifically hired to make incidents go away. Like this is their job. You you know, you can say like, oh, well, we didn't see Deshaun get in trouble. Well, yeah, because sometimes there's a guy who makes that disappear. That's how it works in the NFL. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. That was kind of tough for me when I was seeing all that and hearing all that information. And I couldn't really share it so much. But at the same time, you know, I'm seeing people get so mad about the Eagles cutting Deshaun. And, you know, if this is Madden 
and you're not again you're not accounting for that context and you don't know that information i can see why you'd be upset because it's just not good value you know you cut a really good player a really 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 good talent who brings so much value and unique value for his way to be able to stretch the field so it's kind of been complicated for me over these past couple of years like yes the eagles have missed deshaun his talent and i'm glad to have his talent back but you know i was concerned with some of the things that i had heard and you know some of the attitude stuff i mean even going back before that all that Chip Kelly drama. I remember remember being like really disappointed with Deshaun back in 2011, 2012. Like yeah. he quit that year. Like he yeah. straight up quit on the team and then they paid yeah. him. And I didn't feel great about that. I was glad to have his talent around once again, but it just felt like it felt cheap to me. It felt like this isn't the right move. Like this guy quit on the team and now you're paying him. So he's not going to quit anymore. Like that's kind of BS to me at the same time. Like I remember the, that was the same off season or at least I believe it was where the Eagles gave extensions to Trent Cole, uh, Todd Harriman's. And that felt good because like those guys worked their butts off. They never complained and they got rewarded. Like that's how it should be. And with Deshaun, I just, so I just didn't love how Deshaun handled it. So I guess there's some kind of that weird part of me that I'm not saying like, you know, I hate the move. I obviously give it an A or that, you know, it's going to be a disaster. I'm just saying like, there's, those are some weird things. And maybe that's just, you know, a personal thing. So maybe that doesn't even apply to other people. Although I think, you know, some other people I've seen things about said about, you know, oh, he's a diva or whatever. But I mean, the bottom line to me is the football stuff first. And I think that what you even touched on about the off the field stuff about him being mature or at least more mature, you know, he's 32 now. He's going on 33 this season. I think that I helps. hope he is I anyway. Think, <laughs> I hope he I don't is. know, I but I hope he is. is. Just I think getting released by the Eagles was probably a good thing for him in that realm in that realm of like hey i may, might need to check myself and look ever since then i mean he's been pretty in the clear right i don't think he's gotten in really any trouble yeah and, i haven't heard yeah. i haven't heard any locker room stuff in washington or yeah. in tampa you wonder it kind of reminds me of when buddy ryan released chris carter and exactly. uh, couldn't couldn't figure out why and uh, chris carter later said you know he was dealing with alcohol problems and that getting mm-hmm. released from the eagles was the wake-up call that he needed and maybe that's yeah, just kind of the, it was same the thing. best thing that happened to him really yeah. i think uh in this hall of fame speech or at least I think he said something like that around then. So, yeah, um, yeah right, it's not right, the right. same situation as Chris Carter. I want to be clear. You know, I'm not I'm yeah. not comparing that one to one. But, yeah, just that kind of sentiment. Ultimately, yeah. yeah, again, bottom line, I'm just glad to have the player back, especially. That deep speed is just – it's so valuable. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, how excited are you, John, to just think about Carson Wentz just chucking it out, airing it deep to Deshaun Jackson. And the other thing why I think this move is so good for the Eagles is because they clearly struggled to find that deep speed answer. You know, they drafted Shelton Gibson. They drafted Mac Hollins. They've tried, they signed Torrey Smith. They signed Mike Wallace. They were trying to get deep guys. It just, nothing was really working great. And, you know, Torrey was great in the playoffs and he had some moments in the 2017 regular season, although, you know, they weren't as frequent as you would like. Far between. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously he didn't last beyond the first year and he shouldn't have because the salary was too high. So, you know, they've kind of found some temporary things, but Deshaun is here now to last, hopefully. You know, they signed him to this three-year extension. It's probably more like a two-year deal, but still, at, for, at the very least, these next two years, you actually have a very reliable and capable deep threat. And, you know, there's no question this guy is still one of the best in the league. Like, I, I'm fairly sure he's not peak Deshaun Jackson, like, like we used to know, because he's older now. But, I mean, he was leading the league in yards per reception last year. He is yeah. the active all-time leader in yards per reception. Like, this guy is going to make big plays next year, 
I can't wait. I, I'm I'm more excited for this season simply because Deshaun Jackson is back and he's going to be making big plays. And that is just something the Eagles so sorely lacked last year. And he should make more big plays with Carson Wentz as his quarterback. I saw this stat on yes. Twitter. Uh, 2017 and 2018 deep ball accuracy percentage. Wentz 45%. That ranks seventh best out of 26 quarterbacks. Winston was 10 percentage points lower, 35%, which ranked... 22nd out of 26 quarterbacks. So he now. Best quarterback he's played with. Yeah, this will be the best quarterback he's played with. I mean, Michael Vick at the height of his powers was probably as good mm-hmm. as Carson Wentz. I mean, there's. For there was a stretch there during that insane. Uh, what was that? 2000. Was that the 2010 season? Yeah, it was when Miracle at the Meadowlands and Mike Vick was going yes. crazy. That was that was as good a stretch of quarterback as I've ever seen anybody play. Uh, and he just unfortunately yeah. couldn't sustain it. But yeah, Wentz will be right up there. And if Wentz can return to 2017 form or even something close to it, he's it's gonna it it could make Deshaun Jackson another 1,000 yard receiver again if he can stay healthy. But that's also part of it here. BLG is health. Um, he missed a bunch of games last season for for various injuries, and Jackson, towards the end of his tenure in Philadelphia, was missing games. He had some uh, some broken rib issues. He had a concussion issue at one point. So he's still a small guy, but he still runs really fast. But the injury issues are always going to be there. Are always going to be a concern. I, I don't think we should expect more than thirteen or fourteen games out of Deshaun. If we get that many, thirteen or fourteen, I think I'll be very happy with that. Yeah, he's missed an average of about two games per year. So not terrible, but he probably, you know, will miss a game or two if, you know, history holds up. So you just kind of have to be prepared for that. I don't know. Find a way to work around it. Yep. Well, that's great news. I mean, I, I do hear what you're saying about uh, about uh, Deshaun and his early years and some of the, the locker room stuff. I talked about it a lot on BGN Memories as well. Some of the... Uh, uh, some of the, the the diva issues and all that kind of stuff. But um, hopefully that's behind us and uh, we just got ourselves uh, the deep threat that we need desperately in this offense to help stretch the field. One other big signing that the Eagles made over the last week is signing Malik Jackson, defensive tackle, to a three-year, $30 million deal. He had eight sacks in 16 starts in 2017 when he went to the Pro Bowl, but just three and a half sacks last year. BLG, what do you, th- what do you make of Jackson? He's going to line up beside Fletcher Cox, Cox routinely gets a double team. That would seem to me to portend good things for Malik Jackson. Maybe a bounce back season for him playing next to one of the two or three best defensive tackles in football. Yeah, it just seems like he's a natural fit for what Jim Schwartz wants in a defensive lineman, right? Like he wants a guy who's he doesn't want Dexter Lawrence from Clemson who's like 350 pounds and he's going to stuff the run. Like that's not what Jim Schwartz wants. He wants a guy who has some pass rushing juice. And that's exactly what Malik Jackson brings to this team. He was what ninth in terms of um pressures last year mm-hmm. out of defensive or interior defensive linemen. So that's what he's going to bring. Now, it should be noted there are concerns about his run defense. Benjamin Solak highlighted that in his film piece. Michael Kiss has talked about that as well. Malik Jackson himself talked about that as well because he got benched last year because he said the Jaguars coaches felt he wasn't good enough in run defense. Now, you know, I'm not super worried about that because, first of all, pass defense is much more important than run defense. And I think run defense is something that they can kind of figure out. You know, they'll, they'll figure that one out. You don't just figure out pass rushing. You know what I mean? Like you just like you're not going to just magically get better at suddenly being really good at rushing the passer like that to me is a much harder skill to find. And that's why you see those guys get paid more. And that's why Malik Jackson got paid $10 million a year because he has that ability. So I'm really looking forward to that. You really have to think about how last year, the Eagles just had nothing at defensive tackle. 
outside yeah, of Fletcher really Cox. Didn't. I mean, yeah. they were down to Bruce Hector was playing an undrafted free agent. You know, they signed Trayvon Hester, who ended up, you know, making that big play in the playoffs. But really, you know, he's not a guy you want as your number two defensive tackle. If he's your number three or number four, which he might be this year, that's fine. But, you know, again, you don't want him like starting or playing a ton next to Fletcher Cox. You want someone playing next to Fletcher Cox who can kind of either take some of the attention off of him and give him more one-on-ones. Or if Fletcher Cox is getting those double teams and sometimes triple teams, really, then you, know, you want someone who can take advantage of those one-on-ones. And I think Malik Jackson is going to do that. Uh, I think, you know, it was so nice to have Timmy Jernigan be able to give this team some pass rushing juice early on in that 2017 season. And unfortunately, you know, he couldn't really contribute last year because of the injury. Now you get Malik Jackson in here. He's going to be able to do some of that. He's going to wreak some havoc. I like it. I really like what he had to say in his press conference about playing with Fletcher Cox and about how, you know, this is Fletcher's team. I'm just here to help. Um, and he he said, like, playing next to Fletcher Cox was a big reason why he came. And now obviously money is the ultimate reason why he came. But still, I think, you know, that could have helped for sure. Like thinking, hey, man. And he talked about it. He was like, I want to get back to where I was as a pro bowler in 2017. He was like, that, that wasn't a fluke for me. That is who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's out there and I think he's hungry to prove that. You know, they got close to the Super Bowl. A couple years ago, they made it to the AFC championship game and it looked like they were going to beat the Patriots at a time for a little bit in that game. Like they had a chance and they ultimately fell short. They had a disappointing season last year. Lake Jackson gets benched. So he goes from this high, you know, being having this Pro Bowl year, almost going to the Super Bowl. And then last year, a really low. So I think he's going to be hungry to come in here mm. and get to work and, and give some really good value to this team. And I think that's another exciting addition in terms of a guy who can make an impact. You know, it's not just, you know, run stuff for who you're barely going to notice. It's a guy who's going to hopefully be exploding into the backfield, making some big plays. So I'm pretty excited about seeing him work next to Fletcher Cox this year. I mean, Blake Jackson said it. He feels like the Eagles have one of the best, or they, he, what did he say exactly? The best. Um, I have it here. Yeah. He said, I, well, he said, I don't think there's a, a better D-line in the league. Hmm. And, you know, if all these guys, if things go right, Brandon Graham comes back and he kills it, and Fletcher Cox has another monster year, and Malik Jackson finds his groove, and Derek Barnett steps up, that's a lot of ifs. I'm not saying it's guaranteed, mm-hmm. but the potential is there, and I like it. Yeah, I, I think it's there for sure. I think it's, uh, and, and you can understand why he would say something like that, because he is going to a very talented defensive line, but also, you know, wanted to do a little rah-rah as well, never hurt anybody either, but... Um, I think it's a great signing. I think it's a great fit for this team. And, and really what the Eagles have done here with these with these additions, BLG, is they managed not to have to give up any of the comp picks. And we're going to get into the comp picks a little bit more because um, not only are the Eagles not giving up any comp picks with the, any of these deals. Or, I'm sorry, with the LJ Fort deal, uh, there'll be a comp pick, but that'll kind of get um, that'll get reinstated once the Eagles uh, lose some additional free agents. And we'll get into all that here coming up in just a second. But that's who's new. On, Phil- on the on the Eagles roster here over the last week. Coming up, we'll talk about who's staying and some folks who went elsewhere. We'll get into that up next right here on BGN Radio. And we're back on BGN Radio. So, BLG, we just went over who's new to the team, uh, the LJ Fort signing, the Malik Jackson signing, Deshaun Jackson, both all three of them now uh, members of the Eagles. And I'm sure there are probably a, a couple of more on the way at, at different places. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But um, the Eagles also made sure to hold on to some of their own players instead of letting them get away in free agency. First one, Nelson Aguilar. He's been the 
focal point of a lot of discussion here over the last couple of weeks because he has that big $9.4 million contract number, the fifth year of his rookie deal. He will be back next year at an unreduced number. He's going to come into the season earning $9.4 million. And I know Benjamin Solak wrote a piece about it saying that that's too big a number for him because he basically <laughs> provides replacement level production at the wide receiver position. But all things being equal, and you see what some of the other wide receivers are making out on the market, uh, especially, well, we're going to get into one guy who just signed with the Giants here in a few minutes. Nelson Aguilar at $9.4 million one year. What are you thinking about this one? I want to give a B plus for my Malik Jackson grade because I forgot to do that. Oh, yeah. As, yeah. as far as um, uh, Nelson Aguilar goes, if I'm grading this one, man, I got to give it a C. It's not the right value. It just isn't. It, 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 this almost feels like this is going to be my 2019 version of last year's Chance Wormack is getting paid too much. Now, very different circumstances, not the same at all. Wormack shouldn't have been on the team. I think Nelson should be on the team, but it's just like that number is just, it's not efficient. You can't just think about it in the sense of, oh, we're keeping Nelson Aguilar and that's great. That's an aspect to it, yes, but that's not the whole equation there. You have to think about like, is this efficient? And I just don't think it is. Like, I think when you talk about his targets and his role in this offense and you're paying him that much money, it just doesn't really like add up to me ultimately. And now they were kind of in a tough spot because like you can't cut him because then you're not even getting a comp pick for him. And then now you need a slot receiver. That wasn't an option. You don't just trade him to trade him, I believe. You, you know, you want to get some kind of value back for him. It's just, it's tough. I think it was a tough situation. I don't think it was a great situation that the Eagles were in. I think keeping him, and by the way, I think just because they kept him now doesn't totally rule out a trade. You know, I think that could still happen down the line, possibly. Like, I'm not, I'm not ruling that out. But, you know, for now, he is here. And it is fun to think about him hopefully bouncing back. Last year, you know, we talk about how his stats weren't all that different from 2017 and from a cursory glance that is you know there's truth to that but when you look into like the efficiency metrics as i've talked about before i mean he was 18th out of 79 wide receivers in yards per route run in 2017 and then that ranking dropped to 46 out of 72 in 2018 so that was bad his drop rate also increased and then his dyar numbers which i've talked about before which are uh, football outsiders metrics you know he was a t bottom six wide receiver in that kind of category so it just doesn't seem like the total best use of money to me but it's kind of just the situation the Eagles were in so they're making the most of it by keeping him I think you know in theory you have Deshaun Jackson on the outside and you have uh, Alshon Jeffrey to be your kind of number one guy so to speak and then you have hopefully that kind of takes some pressure off of Nelson in the slot and hopefully it allows him to have more space to operate with and, and work underneath and take that step forward that I thought he was going to take last year to be quite honest because I thought he was having such a good training camp like even better than I've ever seen him he just looked faster than I've ever seen him look before and he he just didn't take that leap so that was kind of weird to me you know he's had different wide receiver coaches you can make different excuses you can say you know Mike Rowe taking over and the Eagles didn't use him well and you can say that Carson not being fully healthy you know kind of impacted him and that's all true but here's the bottom line the Eagles are paying Nelson Aguilar $9.4 million, and that's a lot of money. And if they don't get good production out of him and, like, real good production, that wasn't a good decision. Yeah, and, and the mistake would have been made when they officially gave him that fifth year, when they when they picked up that fifth year. Because, you know, at this point, like you said, the, the getting Deshaun Jackson helps. They could have probably gone out and gotten another slot receiver 
for maybe less money, but maybe not. Because like, you look at what Golden Tate got from the Giants, who Golden Tate signed with the Giants. We're going to talk more about the Giants at the end of the podcast. But Golden Tate got a four-year, $37.5 million deal with $23 million guaranteed. That's a big number, too. You know? And so maybe one year of Nelson Aguilar at $9.4 million, if he were to have left, it does leave you without a slot receiver on the Eagles. And I guess they got to kind of bite the bullet. But I agree with you. I think a C, I think C plus maybe if you're being mm-hmm. extremely charitable. Hopefully Nelson Aguilar gives you a 2017 effort this year. I mean, I, I do think he wasn't utilized right early in the season, first half of the season. It seemed to me like they just kept running in on one jet street, jet sweep after another. And, you know, I think that, that I don't have a problem with that play call, but it's not the best use of Aguilar. I mean, Aguilar was great in the slot, stretching plays, breaking tackles in 2017, and he just didn't get a chance to do that much in 18. And maybe they figured some things out with him. And we're going to see a lot more, a lot of 12 personnel from this team anyway, moving forward. So, you know, Aguilar's role on the team won't be as vital as I think it has been in recent seasons either. But you do still use that third wide receiver a lot, BLG. I mean, they were, they were in what? I think I looked it up today. They're in 12 personnel like 35% of the time this year. So that's, you know, that's 65% of the time when you're not using a two tight end set. And Nelson Aguilar is going to probably figure prominently in most of those other in most of those other formations. Yeah, and that kind of makes it even more frustrating. Yeah. Like if if you're yeah. going to run twelve personnel all the time, then like we're paying this slot receiver nine point four million. Like what the hell? Like yeah. we should be, be using this much more efficiently. <laughs> and um, I don't think that's going to be their main base though. Like you just you look at teams that use tight ends a lot more than other teams in terms of twelve personnel and even thirteen personnel. And it's just not like it's never like seventy percent of the time or sixty percent of the time. It's only like forty or fifty maybe at most. Like it's not and I don't even think it gets to fifty. It's it's not the it's not the base. It's not the base. And with the Eagles under Doug Peterson, they've always been an eleven personnel team. Now they need to tweak that because they have Dallas Goddard and Zachert, so they need to kind of balance that out a little more. And I hopefully, hopefully they will. Doug Peterson talked about getting needing to get Goddard more involved, so hopefully that's not just lip service. And it is true. I'll kind of believe it when I see it. Again, I have nothing against Nelson Aguilar. I hope he has a big year. I'm rooting for him. I know uh, he's been clearly keeping track of all of us doubting him as yes, he, he has. Uh, retweeted the article that I tweeted, Ben's article that I had tweeted out from last week. And uh, yeah, you know, hopefully he kind of proves us wrong and has a really good year. Jason Peters coming back to the team on a one-year deal, BLG. And I have seen in some circles this move getting criticized as Howie Roseman being too fond of his aging veterans to bring back Jason Peters, who played every game last year, but had to sit out for large portions of many of those games and wasn't as effective as he has been in his career, which is understandable given his his age. But bringing Jason Peters back on a one-year deal, BLG, what's your grade for that one? My grade for bringing Jason Peters back has to be, I'm going to say B+, because in an ideal world, you would be able to go younger and move on from him, but I just don't think that's the Eagles' situation. And to me, if you had gotten rid of Jason Peters, you didn't bring him back, to me, that's kind of like a D- or an F. Like, I can't, that, it wasn't going to be good enough for me. I don't, like, you can't sell me on a good replacement plan if he's gone. Like, what were you going to do at that point? Were you going to spend big money on a free agent tackle? Like, look at Trent Brown got paid. They kept paid a ton of money. I didn't want to do that. And that cancels out your comp pick too, by the way. I don't think Big V is clearly, I, I clearly don't think he is ready to take over at left tackle as a full-time starter for all 16 games. Like if he's one of your best two tackles and he's protecting Carson Wentz's blind side for all 16 games, I, I don't feel good about that at all. 
Jordan Mailata, you know, I would love for him to be ready, but come on. Like, we, you cannot count on him as anything. Like, he's only played in a couple preseason games. He's literally never played football before that. Like, you cannot count him. You cannot pencil him in <laughs> in any capacity as your starting left tackle in 2019. Like, that's just madness. You can't do it. Uh, you bring JP back for one more year, and that's, I'm guessing this will be probably it this time for real he played all 16 games last year and he i think he played 80 percent of the snaps so clearly he missed some time but he is also one year further removed from that acl injury you know that he suffered back in 2017 so maybe that'll help out a little bit be, be a little healthier not having to worry about that dealing with that as much he's a year older you know so that kind of doesn't help but I think JP is still pretty solid at, at worst. Like I, he wasn't elite in 2018 clearly, but I do believe he was significantly better than big V was. And at the very worst, I think he will be passable. He'll be, he will be solid. He will make, he will make sure that Carson Wentz to- doesn't get like totally obliterated and killed out there. So yeah. I like that a lot. And I, I love his leadership too, man. Like he's a, he's a future hall of famer. He has a ton of respect in this locker room. I think there's value in that as well. I mean, you don't want to pay just for that, but it's just a nice bonus to have JP back in that building. He won his first playoff game with the team actually playing last year. So yeah, that's true. You know, he's still chasing that ring. He wasn't yeah. on the field for it. I'm, uh, he's hungry for that too. And uh, I'm glad to have him back. Any thoughts of the idea they still might draft a, a starting, le- not a starting left tackle, but a left tackle that would start in 2020 to learn behind uh, Jason Peters, either in the first round or with a day two pick? I, I, I would certainly, if they, they obviously have a board and they have a list of players that they're going to target at that spot. And one of the nice things about the moves that they've made to fill some holes is here, they don't have to go reaching for a specific position. But I, I would certainly, if I were the Eagles, look at the possibility of if, I, if there's a tackle that comes along that I could envision being my left tackle as Jason Peters' replacement. I sure I probably would spend that draft pick, whether it's in the first round, the second round, or third round this year, and just let him learn behind the bodyguard, man. I think that would be the, a great way to to also utilize Jason Peters in what will probably be his last year on the team. Yeah, I mean, if there's a pass or if there's a tackle that falls to them and it makes sense, sure. I mean, I'm not going to force that pick, especially now right, because right. JP is back. I think it actually makes a little less sense to do it in 2000 and in the first round for this year, just because, you know, you have JP here, you have Big V as his top backup, um, you have Mylata as a developmental guy. So unless it's just like, you know, an offensive tackle falls there and you like, you know, you're pounding the table for that guy. You're like, this is the guy. Like, we can't pass on him. Then, yeah, you take him. But I don't think, you know, it's a situation where you're kind of like, yeah, you know, we don't really love this, but, you know, he's there <laughs> and we take him. So I think it's um, it's more of um, – I don't think it's round one as much as they might go for a guy like Titus Howard, who, funny enough, had a pre-draft visit with the Eagles, and they also worked him out at his pro day. They also talked to him at the Combine and the Senior Bowl. So they've been showing a lot of interest in him from Alabama State. So I think he's more of like a day two guy. Maybe they go after someone like that, and I would love that because then all of a sudden uh, you have Mylata and you have Big V, and you have um, Matt Pryor, who can potentially play tackle, although it seems like he'll be playing more so guard. And you have some young guys there worth developing who could potentially take over and there's like no one guy you're sticking your hopes on i do like that right i mean like you're not just yeah. going to be like well we hope jordan Mylata works out because like he might not <laughs> you know right. what i mean it's not a guarantee yeah. so you know get a couple of tackles uh and just kind of hope it works out that way 
Uh, we also we already discussed that Brandon Graham is returning, and um, also Nate Sudfeld was given a second round tender by the team, so he will stick around next year as well, more than likely. Um, that we had talked about in recent weeks about the Eagles pursuing a backup quarterback, a veteran to challenge Sudfeld uh, in training camp. That hasn't come to fruition just yet, but as far as Sudfeld sticking around right now, I mean, we talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right now, it's it looks pretty good for him to be the backup next season, right? I think it does because, you know, he's getting this $3 million and, you know, the second round tender, they could have done the original round, but they didn't. It always seemed likely they were going to do the second round just because, you know, if they did the original round, some team could assign him to an offer sheet. And then if the Eagles didn't match, all they would get was a sixth round pick. And that just didn't seem realistic. You know, you spent all this time developing Nate Sudfeld. I don't think you did that just to get a sixth round pick and all of a sudden not have a real backup quarterback option on the roster who isn't familiar with the scheme. So uh, I'm guessing he's the guy. I don't think that that rules out they sign some other kind of veteran. Maybe it's someone who isn't so threatening to Nate Sudfeld, like like a Matt Castle type, not necessarily him specifically, but you know someone like that who like clearly just isn't good anymore, but kind of in theory is at least pushing Nate. And if Nate like sucked the summer and the other guy was his average self, like then he would beat him out. So what I'm saying is it kind of pushes Sudfeld to really step up and have a big summer. And hopefully that's the case. I think that's what the Eagles would prefer. You know, he's 25 years old. You spent a couple of years developing him now. You would love to see him step up and give you a lot of confidence in that number two role. And I think there's, you know, there should be some reasonable expectation for that. He looked really good last summer, I thought. Now, there were some uh, hiccups there that he had both in the preseason and watching him in training camp. So uh, you you would hope he kind of takes another step forward and looks even better than he did last year. But I think there's enough of a base there that you kind of feel like he can take over and potentially, you know, uh, be ready to start when, if slash when called upon in relief duty of Carson Wentz this season. So I think they still do something there. I don't know if it's super serious. I feel like it wouldn't be, again, because you're paying Nate Sudfeld $3 million, and are you really doing that and having him end up as your third-string quarterback? Like That doesn't seem very efficient. So uh, I hope Sudfeld you know, just kills it this summer, and I think he will. All right, so that's who's new to the team, and that's who's staying with the team. Let's quickly look at who went elsewhere. And Nick Foles, obviously the big name BLG, welcomed in Jacksonville as their new franchise quarterback on Thursday, held a news conference uh, in Jacksonville. He also wrote a, a touching piece thanking Philly for the Players' Tribune. All you know, When all is said and done, Nick Foles is just a class act, and he went out in a classy way. And it seems like everybody down in Jacksonville is, uh, is ready to welcome him with open arms. He told reporters today, BLG, that he was talking to five or six teams this offseason. Do you think that talking to those five or six teams that they are all talking to him as a, a starting quarterback? I mean, it seems that seems like no. a lot more teams than I would have thought. Yeah. Like that and that to me doesn't mean a lot. That could mean like, hey, Nick Foles, come here and play for us for 10 million. And him being like, no. Nah, right, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. not gonna do that. Like that doesn't mean, you know, they were all offering him starting because who would who would those teams be? Let's be real. Like who would those teams be? Part of the thing that made Jacksonville so obvious to me a couple of weeks before it happened officially here is that they seemed like the only logical suitor for him. I didn't see where else he could possibly go, especially with Denver getting Flacco and then Washington trading for Case Keenum and the Giants saying they were keeping Eli. Like where were the where was the landing spot for him elsewhere than it was in Jacksonville? You can say Miami, but they haven't done anything at quarterback and it seems like they might be tanking. And even if that's the case, like, okay, that's one other team. 
So I just, I really don't think there was a strong market for Nick Foles. That's what we were hearing all along. And by the way, the justification for why the Jaguars overpaid for Nick Foles is very sad to me. We had yeah. to give him more money so people would respect him. That's not how respect works. Like, <laughs> like, that's, that's not fundamentally flawed. Like, hey, we're just going to pay you more so people... Like, the the way our friends over at Big Cat Country, which is the Jaguars SB Nation blog phrased it, was like one million equals one respect. Like and that just really got me. Yeah, like just like it was some simple mathematic formula. Like yeah, that. it's so, it, yeah, there's a new oh. there's a new stat in baseball: uh, respect <laughs> above replacement. It's RAR. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, so that's kind of funny to me. But look, you know, Nick Foles, obviously nothing but the best to him down in Jacksonville. I'll be very interested to see how he does in that division. Should be a tough division. You know, uh, I thought Vrabel did overall a solid job, not amazing job, but solid job with the, the Titans. So they're kind of hanging around. Um, you have the Colts, obviously, with Frank Reich, who look like they could be a really good team. And they haven't really been doing much this offseason, but there's still a lot of cap space, so maybe moves to come. You know, they obviously had a good season last year, finished the year as one of the hotter teams. And then you have the Texans, who actually freaking won the division last year and won a bunch of games, even though they had a soft schedule. But they still have Deshaun Watson. So that's going to be a tough division. I'm going to be interested to see how he fares down there. I'm going to be interested to see how, once again, he does outside of Philly, you know, because that's really where his main success has been. So it will be very interesting. You know, $22 million is a lot. We'll see if he lives up to it. I have my reservations, but... That really doesn't matter because yeah. anytime I doubt Nick Foles, he proves me wrong. So that he does he'll probably do it again. Yeah, and we're re- I, I, we are rooting for you, Nick. I know sometimes we say yeah. some things on this podcast where we're just trying to be realistic about <laughs> about things. Exactly, but, you just know, keeping it real. Just keeping it real. But we love you, Nick, and um, we're we're really rooting for good things in Jacksonville. Jordan Hicks, uh, as we mentioned earlier, signed with the Cardinals, a multi-year deal worth thirty-six million dollars. Jordan Matthews signed with the 49ers on Thursday. The Eagles also decided not to re-sign Stephen Wisniewski. Um, but I think what we really want to talk about here, BLG, and it's, it's the, the position that everybody in, in Philadelphia is talking about, is the running back position. Because right now, I think that's the biggest area of need for this team, is at running back. And um, you, last year, they finished the season with uh, Wendell Smallwood getting most of the carries in the backfield. You had Josh Adams, who had a one good game for the Eagles this year, and then disappeared altogether. Uh, Darren Sproles came back at the end of the year and ended up being probably their number one running back. And Corey Clement is hopefully going to come back from an injury and perform better than he did in 2018. But it's a really weak unit. And we were kind of pinning our hopes on the Eagles getting a back like Mark Ingram, who, who signed with the Ravens, or, or Tevin Coleman, who signed with the 49ers, at very cheap, affordable deals. None of us were really thinking Le'Veon Bell was a realistic possibility. He, of course, went to the Jets for $25 million in guaranteed money. But all those guys are off the table now. And so I'm just curious, what are your thoughts? What do you think the Eagles do next here? Because the options in free agency and on the trade market are at this point limited. Yeah, I mean, it's not amazing uh, as someone, again, who has just wanted the Eagles to have running back who could actually contribute and be good for too long now. Uh, it's just it's, it's frustrating. And I get why people are frustrated now. You know, there's still plenty of offseason left, so I'm sure they're going to do something to address that position. I mean, they pretty much have to. Like, Ajayi's a free agent. He might leave. He might go to the Colts. He's visiting with them next week. And then you have uh, Darren Sproles, who might retire, or, you know, the Eagles might want to move on from him. He's a free agent. So, I mean, they have to do something. Like, they just, they literally have to. The hand is 
stick with what they have right now. They can't. They, and they know that. Um, you know, they're still rumored to be interested in Duke Johnson, who the Browns are reportedly shopping now. So maybe get something gets done there. I think you would have to consider a trade is somewhat likely because it, you know, helps the Eagles save a comp pick. And now, of course, they could be giving up a pick this year, but maybe they could give up a player. Who knows? Um, or some kind of pick swap this year as opposed to, you know, just that pick straight up. So that's something to consider. Um, in addition to him, Duke Johnson, you also have uh, Jordan Howard, who I'm really not crazy about. Yeah. He's just, he doesn't really do a lot for me. His numbers have really declined year over year. He was averaging 3.7 yards per carry last year. And to some extent, like he got phased out a little bit in favor of Tariq Cohen, who's yep. much more efficient and better for them. The 49ers, speaking of Tevin Coleman, and by the way, I heard they were they weren't crazy about Tevin Coleman ultimately. Like I, I know we had heard some buzz. Yeah, when you look at the numbers. Yeah, yeah. about um, you know, their mark their interest in him. So I don't want to say that they didn't, you know, like him at all, but ultimately I think it, you know, that deal was pretty reasonable. I think if they wanted him badly, they would have. And the sense I got from what I heard is that they had some kind of concerns about him. So ultimately I think that played into why it didn't happen. But speaking of Coleman and where he ended up. Hang on, BLG, when you when you say con- when you say concerns, are you talking like injury yeah, concerns? Yeah, I mean, or, I think there's um, scheme concerns. Just, I don't want to get too specific into it, <laughs> but I just think con- okay, concern okay. about him right. uh, overall. Uh, okay. Not necessarily talent related, but just, you know, yeah, some some things. And, and I don't want to speculate too much, too, because I don't know how much is true of it, actually. Uh, I don't know Tevin Coleman's situation, so I don't want to do him injustice but just you okay. know overall i just i heard there was reasoning you know it wasn't just like they were the, the gist of what i'm trying to say it wasn't like they were asleep at the wheel and they're like oh well we didn't even know he was out there like, no like they knew he was out there and right, they right, ultimately right. decided right. they wanted to pass on it and maybe they have something else cooking though and maybe the thing is or at least one thing worth monitoring is you know tevin coleman goes to the 49ers and now they have a ton of running backs they have matt Breida, they have jerk Derm, uh jerk mckinnon I should say, who didn't play for them last year because he had the ACL, but he signed that big deal with them. And there's been speculation, I think, that he could get cut. Um, They have former Eagle, Raheem Mostert, and Raheem Mostert's agent on Twitter was kind of like speculating that something could happen with him not like directly, but he was kind of like, yeah. hmm, Raheem Mostert is better than most second running backs in the league, and he's also one of the best special teams players in the league. Uh, I wonder if anything will change, or he said something like that. So I'm kind of wondering if there could be some movement out there in San Francisco. You know, so there's options out there. Trade for someone. I would still love to have Spencer Ware. And if the Michael Kist juju or voodoo or whatever you want to call it is working, I mean, he already got LJ Fort to Philadelphia. So, man, if the Eagle signs Spencer Ware... I'm I'm pretty sure Howie Rose yeah, is no doubt. listening to EGN <laughs> Radio and the Kiss and Solak show at that point yeah. and just, you know, going by those moves. So maybe we'll see that. And I think that's what they should do. I, I would like to see them kind of make a couple additions, hopefully. Just get some new guys in here. Like, you know the guys you have right now. They're not in good large, enough. In large part, aren't going to be good enough. Like, Corey Clement, I think, can be. Yes, as a, a complimentary piece, I think you can reasonably bank on that to some extent. But, like, Josh Adams... I don't even know if he's making the team this year. Like, I don't think that's a lock. You know, Wendell Smallwood feels like he'll always be on the team, unfortunately. What's going to be different about him? Nothing. He's always he's just going to be Wendell Smallwood. He's going to be exactly what you think he is again next year. And Donald Pumphrey out there tweeting today that he's going to be a changed player or whatever. He's been in the lab for two years and now his third year is ready to break out. And, you know, hopefully for Donnell's sake, he's right. You know, I, I hope that for him. For mm-hmm. me, expecting that. No, <laughs> I don't expect that. I would really just hope they do something here soon. And I believe they will. 
But right now, it's just it's kind of frustrating because you just look at the offense. You want to get excited about it, and there is reason to be excited about it when you look at the offensive line and you look at the quarterback and you look at the wide receivers and the tight ends, but you just look at that running back yeah. position, and it's just a black hole right now. So you just hope they can kind of address that pretty soon. Well, when we come back, uh, we're going to look at one NFC East team. We'll finish up uh, looking at the New York Giants and try to figure out what the hell are they doing up in New York. And that'll be up next right here on BGN Radio. And we're back on BGN Radio. So BLG, um, the Eagles have had a busy week. Lots of NFL teams have had, had a busy week. And one of those teams is one of their division rivals, the New York Giants. And what a week Dave Gettleman has had here, Brandon. I mean, this is... I can't um, I can't think of a worse general manager in professional sports right now because you've got in the Giants, they let Landon Collins go because they couldn't afford him, yet they continue to have Eli Manning on the roster. This a year after taking Saquon Barkley number two in the draft overall, passing up a number of really good quarterback options when they clearly needed one. They, they signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a huge contract before the start of last season, and then this week they trade him to the Cleveland Browns for slightly slightly more than what the Eagles got in the Sam Bradford trade. Then they follow it up with a Golden Tate signing for four years, $37.5 million with $23 million guaranteed. What is going on in the Meadowlands, BLG? I don't think they know, John. I th- like My question to you and to anyone is, what is the Giants' plan? Like, what What is the plan? That's the, there, that's the best question. Me. Yep. There is none. There's no plan. There's like no realistic plan. There's just there's moves that they make that and some of them actually have been okay. Like they signed Marcus Golden today to a one year deal, which is like fine. It seems like a good deal for them. I think you know the Zeitler trade for them, you know, getting him, you know, helps the offensive line. Now they get rid of their best pass rusher, so you know it's not necessarily a total win there. But like, you know, there's so there's some things in theory that are like, okay, I can kind of see some sense here. But then you just look at the overall scope and you're like, what are they doing? I mean, they're trading their best player in Odell Beckham Jr. for really not great value. Like I know like there's there are people out there like, oh that's a good return. No, it's not. It's just not. Odell Beckham Jr., who I'm not even really the biggest fan of, is a future Hall of Famer. Like you just look at his numbers and you look at his talent and he just is. So when you're trading future Hall of Famer who just signed a year ago for a mid first this year, not even a high first, a mid first, it's 17 overall. And the third round pick they got from the Browns wasn't even the highest third round pick the Browns have. So that's just bad negotiation right there. Like when you make a deal like that, you would think they would get the highest third round pick. They didn't even get that. And uh, the third round pick and then Jabril Peppers. Like, okay, great. Like that's really an amazing return for a like transcendent talent at wide receiver. No, like that's not good enough. And really, like, what are the Giants doing with that move? Are they rebuilding? Because some people are saying they are, including some Giants fans. I saw our friends over or, or enemies, rather, whatever you want to call them, at Big Blue yeah. View said they're rebuilding. But like, no, they're not. If they're rebuilding, why are they letting the two of their best young players go and Odell Beckham Jr. and Landon Collins. And if they're rebuilding, why are they signing a 31-year-old Golden Tate to a $36.5 million contract and losing their fifth-round comp pick and giving, potentially, a, a fourth-round comp pick for, to the Eagles for doing that? When, by the way, they already have like a billion slot receivers on their team. Like Ster- Sterling Shepard is also, I mean, is already a really good slot receiver. So now you're bringing Golden Tate in to also be a good slot receiver. Like, 
what are you doing? Like, what is the plan here? Yeah. There, there, there is no plan. Dave Gettleman is totally, he's just one of these vintage classic, like football guys. He thinks he knows best, even though he's like living like 30 years in the past. He doesn't embrace analytics. In fact, he made fun of it, which is just like so dumb because he literally did that after, or well, I guess it was before the Eagles won the Super Bowl, but like, you know, leading up to the Eagles winning the Super Bowl and them winning the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, you know, he's like, oh, analytics, it's stupid, even though the Eagles are just winning a Super Bowl with it. And by the way, I'm sure like the Patriots are very big on analytics as well. So yeah. um, it's just, it's crazy, man. I, it's great. Well, and honestly, he's, he's, he's dying to run a run heavy offense. Yes. Like he just, he just can't ends, wait. Yeah. Run the ball. Just, Get a fullback in there. Give me an Ironhead Hayward. I want you know maybe this year in the draft we and, and we'll wait till the second round. We get ourselves like a a Christian Okoye to lead Saquon Barkley because yeah. we got to have a a fullback hit the hole before our before our tailback. If we're gonna run the wishbone properly this year, BLG. We're gonna need that stuff. I have wait. Let, let me let me redo this. I yeah. have a take, John. I, I thought I was coming. Yeah, I'm here. I've been I've been thinking about this one. The Giants' total incompetence these past couple years just gives further proof that their two Super Bowl wins were total flukes like we all thought they were at the time. They were. Absolutely. Okay? Especially the second one. The first one was a little more legit, but the second one especially was just like the most BS fluke of all time. It wasn't like the Giants were – and I was saying it at the time too. I was saying like the Giants aren't this team you want to model yourselves after. They just got hot at the right time. They just got lucky. And guess what? Honestly, sometimes it takes luck to win a championship and that championship still happened. So I'm not saying like, you know, it doesn't count. Like they won it. Right. I'm not trying to take right. it away. But I'm saying like this, I think this totally uh, validates like the whole, like this was a fluke for them. Like <laughs> I think this proves it. Like they, they're clearly, they don't know what they do or they don't know what they're doing. The Maras are totally like Mike Francesa of W fan is running the team basically. <laughs> like, like, yeah, he, he really is. They're basically, and someone, talked about that on twitter recently where like he goes on the or, or people get angry or whatever and they complain to him to mike and then he goes on the radio or i guess he i guess it starts with him so he's on the radio he's complaining and the fans are like buying into it and they're you know they're they're like feeding into it and then they're you know expressing their discontent with the team such as in the case of when the uh the giants benched eli and all of a sudden, the Maras are like giving into that fan pressure. Like that's what's happening here, and it's it's amazing because this off season, Mike Francesca or Mike Francesa has been like pounding the table for the Jets to sign Golden Tate. Now, obviously, it wasn't the Jets, but it was the Giants. And like you have to wonder, you know, well, there's already this you know this idea out there that Francesa has this influence over them. Like that's that can't just be a coincidence, right? Like he's been saying. Yeah. Like, we got to get Golden Tate. And I, I just think that's really just amazing in a bad way for the Giants. And I, I feel bad in a way. Um, you know, they're obviously a rival, so I don't feel too bad. But, like, I just – I follow some Giants fans. Uh, there's one on Twitter who I've known for a while, my good friend Kunal Shah, who is uh, at KSIXI on Twitter. It used to be a um, – used to hang out at BT, BTN more in the comments. Um, like, I, I've told him before like i honestly would be more scared of the giants if you were the general manager than <laughs> I, I truly believe that like I, I i think the giants should hire him tomorrow and they would be a better franchise now you know they wouldn't be perfect he has no general manager experience but i honestly <laughs> think they would be better with him than dave gettleman 
Well, it couldn't be any worse. There's there's no way it could be any worse, and that is a franchise going in the absolute wrong direction. Like all of just all of the other Eagles rivals in the NFC East all going in the wrong direction. I think the Cowboys, you're still a little worried about the Cowboys, but the moves they've made this offseason don't make any sense. And they haven't done anything so far here yeah. in free agency or with trades or anything. Jerry Jones, I don't know what he's waiting for, but uh maybe thinks he's got uh, he he's got the championship team already and just waiting for the draft. But um it's been a busy few days here. BLG free agency is now officially underway. More moves are coming, more trades are coming, more cuts are probably coming. So there might be guys who are not yet available that soon will be that the Eagles could go after, pick up, make a trade for, something like that. So uh, we'll make sure that we keep our eyes locked on TweetDeck here uh, for, for the next few weeks uh, leading up until the draft. BLG, any final words for you uh, before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I guess we're about to hit kind of the second wave of free agency. You kind of hear that talk, you know, all the initial buzz has kind of died down a little bit, but now we're going to see some other things. Obviously, you still have a lot of Eagles free agent players out there. As I already mentioned, you're going to see Ajayi reportedly visit the Colts next week. We're seeing that Ronald Darby reportedly visited the Chiefs on Wednesday night. And, you know, we haven't heard anything since then. So that's a little interesting. We've heard that the Eagles still want to sign him. So I think that's kind of potentially one of the next shoes to drop, whether it's him re-signing with the Eagles or him signing elsewhere. And then obviously the running back thing is going to be on the top of everyone's mind until they do something about that. So there's still some things to do here, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Like Howie Roseman can't just kick up his feet just yet. They still have some work to do here. But overall, I think, you know, after kind of just taking stock of the bigger picture after this kind of, this hasn't even been a full week, but this first wave, I guess you could say, of free agency is that I'm feeling good about the Eagles overall. Again, still a lot of work to do in terms of how they need to build this roster, but I just feel excited for the 2019 season already, just already, just because of some of these moves they're making. And I'm excited to see these guys play for the team, and whether that's Malik Jackson or it's Jason Peters mm-hmm. coming back or Deshaun Jackson making big plays. I'm just like, I'm ready to see that. I think, I think about how last year, 2017 season kind of just bled into the 2018 season for me. And this year feels different. It feels like things are changing up a little bit. You know, they're making these big additions. So it's exciting and I am looking forward to it. Yeah, and based on how the offseason is going so far, the Eagles are loading up on comp picks and they'll be even yes. you know, you're not you're not looking to the 2020 draft just yet, but the way things are shaping up, they're going to have so many draft picks in the 2020 draft. They're going to be able to do a lot of things if they if they choose to do it. And the way they've uh, handled the offseason right now is done they have improved themselves or at least kind of found some able replacements for players who might be leaving so that they enter 2009 the 2019 draft without again, like I said earlier, having to reach for any specific position in the first round or second round and really just allow the board to come to to come to them and then you just hope that uh Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman and the rest of the scouting department have their board right but uh um that'll be, we'll see how that all works out um as we get closer to draft time and uh, make sure to keep listening to uh the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed and subscribe rate review you'll get the Kist and Solak show where they'll continue to break down uh the uh different uh pro days and scouting combines and um, anything else having to do with the draft in the weeks and months leading up to that. Um, make sure to stay here for BGN Radio, the QB Sco Show. Leave a, a, leave a five-star rating and a review on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed and uh, let us hear from you. Let us know what you think about the show. That'll do it for episode number 41, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. Been a little too nice to y'all. 
I got a up price on y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hate. I won't get involved today. Got lost in the ball and age. I'm flipping the balls and flipping the. P G N.